the Blue Gold Report. Irish reporters Todd Burlidge and Mason Plummer get ready for Notre Dame football game day Saturdays only on 1380 The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report. The Irish are already part of the ACC football championship game. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'll be your co-host here. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. I do a lot of freelance work in other avenues as well. I'll be joined shortly here by Mason Plummer. He is a staff writer and recruiting guru for blueandgold.com, Blue and Gold Illustrated. A lot to get to. I already mentioned it. Notre Dame now in the ACC championship game, even though they have one game. Syracuse remaining. That's this weekend. We're going to break down what the opponent situation looks like. All roads lead to another Clemson-Notre Dame matchup. We're going to take a very, very quick flyby over a lousy opponent, Syracuse, this weekend. And we're going to finish the show with an interview I had with Mike Anello. He was kind of a cult figure here at Notre Dame from 2006 through 2009 under Charlie Weiss. A Rudy who didn't really want to be called Rudy. I've mentioned him already. Let's bring him in. Mason, introduce yourself, man. What's going on, everybody? My name is Mason Plummer. I'm the, like Todd said, I'm the staff writer and recruiting analyst over at blueandgold.com. Todd, not as quite as much recruiting news as last week. It seemed like that was half the show. I do have a couple nuggets here we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, plenty to try to pack in here to our show. We'll get to all that in a bit here, but as we start every show... Gold Rush. Injuries along the offensive line were a keynote to this week. Zeke Carroll, the center who started last week against North Carolina, who was filling in for usual starting center, Jared Patterson, he tweaked his ankle, and now he's a game-time decision, according to Brian Kelly. If indeed Correll can't go, they will move Josh Lug to that position, and then senior lineman Dylan Gibbons will replace Lug at right guard. I'm going to get the bad news out of the way now before two positive notes. Former Notre Dame great and current Houston, Texas wide receiver Will Fuller suspended six games earlier this week for performance-enhancing drug use. He will miss a game next season as well as part of that six games. He's having a career year this season, and he's heading into a contract year this upcoming offseason. Not ideal, Todd. Outgoing United States President Donald Trump awarded former Notre Dame head coach Lou Holtz the Presidential Medal of Freedom this week. It's the highest honor a civilian can receive from the president. Holtz, 83 years old, has been an outspoken supporter of the outgoing president. Rivals 100 player and one of the best cornerbacks in the nation, Seer Wright, is visiting Notre Dame this weekend for the Syracuse game. Todd talked a lot about Sear Wright during all the recruiting segments. He's actually going to be in town for four days, Thursday through Sunday, making the absolute most of his trip. He's a California kid, and this is a huge Notre Dame target they'd love to get in this class to top off the 2021 recruiting cycle. With campus closed because of winter break, Senior Day is going to look very strange at the stadium here for the Syracuse game. Only family and close friends will be allowed, so much so that it is expected to be the smallest crowd in the history of Notre Dame Stadium. That record goes back to 1933 of only 9,221 fans for the season opener against Kansas that fittingly ended in a 0-0 tie. We talked at length about Kelvin Gilliam, a potential flip from Oklahoma, but this one is another flip I feel very confident about. Devin Alpew, and UCLA commit since April. Notre Dame is in a great position to flip him after swinging and missing on Kelvin Gilliam. He's a 6'5", 225-pound defensive end from California. A ton of potential. Mike Elson likes what he sees here, and I expect Notre Dame to pull off this flip by the time we record our next show, Todd. Gold Rush. Notre Dame, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they are in the ACC title game. An opponent remains to be determined. Notre Dame, 8-0 and in conference. How all this came about was this week the ACC announced it was wiping out certain games on December 12th. 
that impacted Notre Dame's game with Wake Forest, now canceled, and it impacted Clemson's game with Florida State, now canceled. The reason the ACC did this is they wanted to keep a balanced schedule, and there was no way they were going to do it with all the cancellations and postponements unless they got everybody to nine games. Three teams in the running. Notre Dame's already in. Clemson at 7-1 and one, needs to beat Virginia Tech Saturday, and they're in. If somehow Clemson would stumble against Virginia Tech, Miami at 6-1 and one still has a shot. It would have to beat Duke this Saturday and then win against North Carolina on December 12th. Then they would go. That's why it looks like it's going to be a Notre Dame-Clemson rematch. Mason, I really respected what the ACC was trying to do here. First of all, they wanted to get a balance measure. Nine games was what they came up with. Seems reasonable to me. Beyond that, though, I think it was important to protect this championship game, especially given that it's probably going to be a wonderful matchup between Notre Dame and Clemson again. I thought the ACC was smart in being proactive, gone ahead and ditching this last weekend for these two teams, give them a bye before that title game, keep them healthy, keep them COVID protected. I appreciated what the ACC did. The ACC has been nearly flawless this entire season uh, in such an unexpected year and right. such, uh, such a weird season, doing its absolute best to preserve that Notre Dame and Clemson matchup. Uh, it's not 100% certain, but it's starting to look that way. Almost immediately after Notre Dame beat Clemson just a few weeks ago, all eyes were towards the ACC championship game and the rematch. So the ACC is going to do everything they can to preserve that, and I think they did a good job. Yeah, it's it's really important because they know they're going to get at least one and perhaps even two teams into the playoffs. So, boy, this is a sacred game for them to keep scheduled and keep on pace. They'll probably be chirping in Notre Dame's and Clemson's ears, man. Protect yourself against COVID right now. As I mentioned before, it's just the ACC being proactive. Brian Kelly said he was actually taken back a little bit by when that last game, that Wake Forest game was canceled. He was coming off the practice field when he heard about it, but he certainly supports the move. If if uh, if we're playing Wake Forest, Florida State's playing Clemson. <laughs> there needs to be, you know, balance. You know, everybody's got to play everybody. It, it wasn't posturing of any kind of, hey, let's try to get out of this Wake Forest game. I have no problem playing Wake Forest anytime, any place, um, as long as everybody was playing the same amount of games. I think what happened here clearly, and that that there were enough data points to say, look, let's let's make sure that Miami still has a chance if there's a stumble here by Clemson. And, and that means them getting a chance to play North Carolina and play their way in. So as long as all things were equal from that perspective and, and Miami understood that they had a chance to get in but lost the head-to-head competition, then why not protect the championship game? That was the conversation that we had. There was never a posturing on our end. We were, we were prepared to, to play Wake Forest if that's what the ACC requested us to do. That ACC title game will be played December 19th, Saturday, 4 p.m. at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Should be a good one. Should be a rematch again between Clemson and Notre Dame. Looking forward to that. By the numbers. 24. 24 total points allowed by Notre Dame in the fourth quarter all season. To illustrate that point, North Carolina entered the game against the Irish last weekend, having outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter 103-39. to Notre Dame won that matchup 7-0. 30. A win over Syracuse would make Ian Book 30-3 as a starter and make him the winningest quarterback in program history. He will break a four-way tie right now. The other three that had 29 wins... Tom Clements from 72 to 74 won the 73 title. Ron Paulus, 29, 16, and 1, 94 through 97. 
And Brady Quinn, 29 and 17, 2003 to 2007. Those last two, Paulson and Quinn, those were more longevity awards than anything. Let's go ahead and talk about last week's game and take a quick look at this week's game. Everybody was expecting a shootout against North Carolina and certainly looked at like it was going to hold up that way as the Tar Heels scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, took leads of 7-0 and 14-7. But boy, Notre Dame dropped the hammer defensively in the second half. The last 48 minutes of this game, North Carolina scored only three points. And that's without Kyle Hamilton, for the most part, who was dropped and lost after a targeting penalty in the first half. Mason, I thought this was Notre Dame's most impressive win of the year because I thought it was one of its most dangerous opponents of the year. And I think it really speaks to just how good this defense is. Yeah, this defense is going to go down as one of the best, not only recently, but in Notre Dame history. Uh, I saw a lot of fans collectively really nervous when Kyle Hamilton went yeah, out with sure. that targeting penalty. And uh, I, I myself was a little bit nervous sitting back and just a casual viewer, just like, man, this might go badly. He's the he's essentially the center fielder out in that secondary. He, he's a real leader on that defense, probably the best player on the defense. And then he goes out, but the defense stepped up. One of the most explosive offenses that we've seen this season in North Carolina. Sam Howell is a great quarterback who's expected to go pretty highly in the draft. And Notre Dame essentially shut him down in that second half. Plotted towards a Notre Dame defense, getting pressure on him constantly. And uh, credit to the cornerbacks as well. Uh, the corner play has been a little bit suspect this season, but Nick McLeod, the transfer from NC State, has been great. And uh, Clarence Lewis, too. It's been very much improved. If, it, if there's one position group I think I look at Notre Dame that showed very steady improvement, it would be the cornerbacks and I suppose the wide receivers as well. Mason, actually, Notre Dame pitched a shutout in that second half. It was 17-17 and a half. And then Notre Dame sort of ground out that game. Two touchdown drives in the second half, one of 97 yards, one of 89 yards. So yeah, that kind of speaks to how Notre Dame can win games, just kind of grinding it out at all. A couple other notes on this game. Notre Dame's defense held UNC 26 points below their season average of 43 per game. And the defense also held the Tar Heels 265 yards below their usual 563-yard average. Very impressive stuff. The Tar Heels managed only 78 yards in the second half and went 0 for 6 on third down. A dominating win and another great win. Notre Dame is playing as well, if not better, than anybody in the country. And I'm to the point now, Mason, where, and we can talk about this a little bit more next show, but I'm to the point now where obviously Notre Dame's going to beat Syracuse. And I say win or lose that Clemson game. The way Notre Dame has passed the eye test and the production test and will actually play 11 games. I think they are already in the college football playoff. Let's take a quick look at the Syracuse team. They're not very good. They're 1-9. They beat Georgia Tech 37-20. That's their only win. They've now lost seven straight. They rank 126th in total offense. They rank 102nd in total defense. That's out of only 127 teams. That sums it up right there. Syracuse wants its season over with. This will be the last game for the Orange. While Notre Dame's season, Mason, in many ways, is kind of just getting started when you look at all the postseason opportunities. Well, you got to get to this point undefeated as Notre Dame has, but now you're really looking towards the meat of the schedule. you got to get Syracuse out of the way, but the next three games are 
essentially playoff games, including that ACC championship matchup. Dino Baber, Syracuse coach, really came in like gang fire in 2018. He took the Orange to a 10-3 and record. Then he dropped to 5-7 and last year, and now he's 1-9 and this year. That takes him to 6-16 and over the last two seasons. Now he's on the hot seat. It just goes to show you how you can go from toast to the town to being kicked out of town in a short period of time. Good news is the first two rounds of test again for Brian Kelly's crew, both negative all across the board for COVID. That was on on Sunday and Tuesday this week, there was no one other round of testing we won't have the results of as we're taping this show. Brian Kelly certainly appreciates the work his team has put in and the effort his team has put in to keeping these COVID numbers down and this team on task. One of the things that's that, that you're able to build during this time that is so different than if if we weren't experiencing this this incredibly difficult time in, in our country is the ability to put aside the distractions um, that, that you're facing on a day-to-day basis. They are confronted with the biggest distraction, and that is you can get COVID and miss considerable playing time if you are not uh, maintaining excellent habits. And, and so you have to be on top of that 24-7. I don't get the luxury to control them 24-7 in most instances. As much as we would like to, you know, we get them for a short period of time. But because of the climate we're in, they have to uh, avoid these distractions that can cause them uh, to potentially lose playing time. And so they're building strong habits that you're seeing Uh, play out on the football field. Mesa, beyond that, things get tricky here. If you think about it, I want to ask you about this. You're a college student. So here you are, you're a Notre Dame football player. You're in your campus football facility bubble. And now you have 10 weeks without class. You can't go anywhere to do anything. It seems like it would be really boring and really tempting to go out and just kind of sneak off. Well, if I go grab a beer somewhere or grab a burger somewhere, it'll be fine. You don't seem to be seeing any of that from Notre Dame. These guys seem very disciplined and determined to stay on task and stay safe and healthy. More disciplined than I am, that's for sure. Um, I've been on online classes for some time now, and I can't stand to be in the house for more than a couple hours. And, you know, they're all locked up. And for for good reason, they've got to be at this point. You can't have any positive tests. We saw Notre Dame get into real big trouble with that and the uh, the movement and, ca- and eventual cancellation of the Wake Forest game. Uh, you can't have any positive tests, especially heading into these next couple weeks, but you just got to get through these next 10 weeks because you don't even have classwork to, to focus on. So it's going to be interesting. Hopefully these guys are just in the weight room eating and sleeping, I guess. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. They're spending a lot of time at the football facility. I asked some of the guys about it this week, and most of them said, you know what we're doing? We're studying a lot of film. We're getting a head start on a lot of teams. And I think it does help a little bit that Syracuse comes to town again. Feel free to look past him. Notre Dame's like a 35-point favorite in this thing. When Notre Dame disposes of Syracuse, it will mean 24 straight home victories and a third straight undefeated home season, something that is pretty remarkable considering where this program was before Brian Kelly arrived. Also, the fourth-year seniors, these fourth-year seniors will have compiled a record of 42-5. and You talk about a program on the move. I wouldn't necessarily say it took Brian Kelly a bit to get his footing, but it all happened after that 2016 4-8 debacle. Brian Kelly looked at himself. Brian Kelly looked at his staff, overhauled the program, and, man, Mason, they haven't missed a beat since. Definitely not. You've got Brian Kelly, who I consider to be one of the best coaches 
in college football as well as two of the best assistants in Clark Lee and Tommy Reese, who's been an absolute hit at offensive coordinator. But yeah, you said it after that 2016 season, a lot of people were calling for Brian Kelly to be gone. And potentially maybe I was even one of them at that point. The trajectory of the program was very down, but the Brian Kelly haters have been very quiet over the past uh, past three years or so. Notre Dame's looking poised to be in their second college football playoff appearance in three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's as good as it gets at this point. We're heading on four 10-win seasons, is that right, Don? Four in a row? Yep, four in a row. It's never been done before. Yeah, so it, what more can you say about Brian Kelly at this point? Yeah, when you say 42-5 and five over the last four years, is you know that's where the seniors will be after the Syracuse win. That's incredible. And I think even when you look a little bit before the 2016 debacle, that just seemed like an anomaly to me. You know, the 15 team was really good. So I was surprised people were calling for Brian Kelly's head after that 16 season. I'm like, man, give the guy a break. Sometimes stuff happens. Uh, but he didn't view it that way. He said, it's time to change myself up. It's time to change the staff up. It's time to do things differently. And boy, for a coach of 25 years to be able to change habits and routines, that was very impressive, I thought. I, I, we will talk about that in a future show about some of the specifics. Mason, I had a chance this week, I mentioned it at the top of the show, to talk to Mike Anello. You're probably too young to remember him. He was here at Notre Dame between 2006 and 2009. And he became quite a cult figure here because of his play on special teams. Very much the Rudy sort of story, but he did not want to be called Rudy because he became a steady contributor. In 2007, as a walk-on, ends up playing his way into kickoff and punt coverage teams. Couldn't keep him off the field in 08, and he was so much fun to watch. Typically, Mason, when the punt teams and the kickoff teams come out, you don't really pay much attention. But boy, when Mike Anello was on this squad, you paid a lot of attention You could because you couldn't wait to see what he did. 23 tackles in 72 tries on those two units, kickoff and punt coverage units. That is pretty impressive stuff when you consider that that was only two tackles fewer than a couple linebacker rotational players, Kerry Neal and Darius Fleming. He was so much fun to watch. Had a chance to catch up with him this week for a story I'm doing for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Let me start with this story that I told you I wanted to ask you about. So I'm sitting up in the press box uh, doing my thing, and this guy comes running out to the field about an hour after the game. I believe you were still in your uniform. Knelt down at midfield and said a prayer. It was uh, it was UConn mm-hmm. in 2009. In wrestling, there's a tradition where, uh, like, when you kind of finish up, you you take off your shoes and you kind of leave them in the middle of the mat uh-huh. and walk away. And I just, for me, that it's funny, it choked up. Um, so it was, it was the last time I was ever going to be on the field, and right. you know, as I just reflected on it, um, you know, it was just it was an experience that you know changed my life. God, it's so funny. I haven't gotten choked up in a long time. Um, it has just changed my life and you know my family's life in such a meaningful way. And you know, I just felt like I'd put my heart and soul into uh, into playing there. And it was again something I never could have imagined. Like I never even dreamed as a kid because I was a wrestler, right? And I mean, right. you know, my backstory: I played football my senior year of high school, and that was essentially it. Right. Um, so it's never like even a even like a speck of a dream for me to go do. And I just felt like that the program, the university, the fans were just so special. And, um, and it was, uh, it was a tough one to kind of say it's like, you know, this is the last time getting the opportunity to, uh, to run out there and, uh, and play out there. Cause it was just, it was so special. 
Do you remember what you're saying to yourself or saying to the heavens? I had like a special prayer that um you know I said every game when we go to mass um, where I just kind of you know praying for my family and just thanking God for you know all the opportunity that He had provided me and just you know saying continue to give me the opportunity to um to pay it forward because like I said I've just yeah you know, I think back to that time and I remember that I do remember going out and I'm mean, gonna probably spend an hour out there and just kind of thinking about the the fun memories and you know everything that went into it because it was just such an incredible experience mike back me up here what was your road to notre dame you know applied to a whole bunch of schools went to notre dame and frankly you know it was it was on my kind of top five but you know even being from the south suburbs of chicago it was never something that you know i said hey i need to go to notre dame and when i went to notre dame i stayed with a family friend and I was walking, I stayed in Dillon Hall, and I was walking down the hall that morning. It was like a Friday morning at 7.30 or 8, and I bumped into one of the uh, one of the janitors, and we had a five-minute conversation, but I left that conversation being like, this, this university is different than anything else, because the fact that this was just such a casual conversation, and you know, she didn't think anything about it. Just tells me how people treat people on this campus. That was something that seems so trivial, but it was something that, you know, just changed my mind. I really started to dig in, talk to folks, and they're just like, look, there's all these different great schools out there, but when you go to Notre Dame, Notre Dame people take care of Notre Dame people. The more I learned about it, the more excited I got. I was just like, this is this is where I got to go. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I'll set the next goal is I want to walk onto the team and I have no idea what it entails, but it'll give me a goal to drive towards and keep myself in shape. And, you know, my mentality was always like, let's give it a shot. And worst case, you know, I'll just keep myself in shape for another nine months and have something to work towards. And, you know, best case I make it on the team and like, we'll see what happens from there. Really fun interview there, Mason. Obviously, as he started reminiscing, he got choked up a little bit and understandably so. Okay, Mason, I'm going to make a lightning flyby hoops here. Still curious to see if the men's can even keep their season together. They lost their first game of the season, 80-70. to 70. Michigan State looked really bad. I think they were down by 28 in one point in that game. Tom Izzo cut Mike Brace some slack and only beat him by 10. Then Western Michigan was supposed to come to Purcell Pavilion. Canceled. So they filled that in with Purdue-Fort Wayne. Canceled. So now Detroit Mercer is going to give it a whirl here on Sunday 12-6. Let's see if that holds up. Women-wise, they are 1-2. 88-85 losers at Ohio in the opener. Home against Miami of Ohio. 88-68 win. And then lost to Michigan. 76-66. Mason, I want to back up to the men. Do you think there's any chance that they can hold a basketball schedule together? It's certainly not an encouraging start. Um, you'd like to see a better start here and get to some momentum and some negative tests, but they're not going to take any chances, and understandably so. Um, the country's seeing another spike right now. Uh, it's unfortunate for the basketball team. I think this is, this could be a really good squad that could make some noise, uh, finally get to a veteran group that Mike Bray likes. Um, some really talented players on this team, too, as well as some talented freshmen. But the, the schedule, like I said, it's not an encouraging start. Hopefully it gets better, but um, I mean, only time will tell at this point. Yeah, it's going to be patchwork for sure, and I tend to disagree on how good this team can be after watching them play against Michigan State. They didn't look any different to me this year than they have the last three, but that's another story for another day. Mason, we better get to predicts here for the Syracuse game. What you got, man? I'm going to take Notre Dame 53, Syracuse 13. I think Syracuse might maybe gets a late touchdown, a field goal or two. They're going to be able to 
score on the Notre Dame, what, like fourth string, maybe at the end, some garbage time. But I think Notre Dame, uh, I think they will come out with their starters uh, against your advice, but um, put some points on the board early, then take them out. Hopefully for a recruiting guy like me, I'm hoping to see some of the young guys, some of the young guys <laughs> I've got to cover. So that'll be super fun for me. Maybe not for the casual viewer, but I'll enjoy it a lot. What you got? Yeah, exactly. I don't think I may not hang out with this game for very long here. Mason, I'm kind of right in the same boat. They Notre Dame will dominate early and keep things really under control. Get these guys out of there. Going to get sloppy at the end where I think Syracuse maybe steals a couple scores here. I'm going 51-13. Folks, that's your Blue Gold Report. He's Mason Plummer. You can find him on Twitter at MasonPlummer underscore. You can find me at Todd Burlage. A little bit undecided if we're going to do a show next week, but one way or another we will have something before that ACC championship game. We'll break all that down and so much more. Mason, appreciate it, my man. We'll talk to you folks next time. Thanks for listening to this exclusive presentation of 1380 The Fan, the Blue Gold Report. And be sure to download the latest edition of the show wherever you download podcasts or go to 1380thefan.com. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.